Hello, I'm Kirsten McCabe from the Royal Meteorological Society and today I'm chatting to broadcast meteorologist Laura Tobin about her new book, Everyday Ways to Save Our Planet. Now, I have to be a little bit honest, I want to start off with this, that I do struggle a little bit from green fatigue. I want to know what's the point of me doing the little things if government and industries aren't doing their bit. So I'm going to put one minute on the clock, 60 seconds to convince me why I need to go green. I guess... In a world where we know that the earth is warming, we know that we're the ones doing it, that kind of bit, the science, we get it, we know. But people are just asking me all the time, what can I do and will it make a difference? And I saw this video, a little um, clip of a picture that was somebody throwing a plastic bottle behind them and they said to their friend, oh, it's just one bottle, what does it matter? And a speech bubble says, from God saying, says 8 billion people. And it's just when you times up all of these little things that you realise that actually everyone can make a tiny difference. And 75% of the emissions that we have in our homes is from how we heat our homes, how we eat and how we travel. So actually all of those things we can tackle, but all of those things will save money. And I think that is the big thing at the moment. Food is costing more. If you cut down on food, stop throwing away, eat less meat, vegetables are cheaper. If we walk more than driving, that will have to save us money. And in a world where energy prices have gone through the roof, if we look at just lowering our thermostat by one degree, that will save 10% on our emissions. So saving money, saving the planet, and also healthier too. Perfect. You nailed that. Well done. All right. You've convinced me. Where should I start? That is literally the point of the book. It was going to be called 101 Ways to Save the Planet. And then I got to 120 and then 130 and it kept going. And there's now over 200 ways. And some of them are tiny and some of them are big. Um, But if that's the point, if you just don't know where to start, the book has hundreds of ideas. There's a whole tick list at the back. Some of them you're never going to do. You can just cross them off. But others, when you've done them, you can give a little tick. And it makes you feel good. And it just helps to explain it like really simply with loads of great facts. I have a question for you. Okay. Do you have a reusable coffee cup? I do have reusable cups. 70% of people in the UK have one and only one in six ever take it out. So that's my thing. I always say to people, just take it because we all have this intention, but never the will. I assume that you have gone pretty green these days as well. You have to practice what you preach. So what three things do you do to prove your green credentials? Oh my goodness. So my husband kind of got a bit crazy right at the beginning of me writing my book and me thinking I was green and then realising there were so many things that I did that actually I shouldn't be doing or so many things that I could do that would be really easy to change. So he was just saying, oh my goodness, what are we doing this week? What crazy green idea. One of the big things that we didn't do was just think about food. Think about the food we throw away and think about the food scraps that we just throw in our bin. So it's really, I just think it's really easy just to not think. And I think that pretty much everything you can do to tackle climate change is just stopping and thinking for a second. But if you plan your meals, which is so obvious, and just buy what you need, then you will save money. And then also it's less stress because you know what you're going to be eating that week. We throw away six meals on average a week in every household. That's crazy when food prices are going through the roof. But also we didn't ever keep any of our food scraps, our peelings, our cores, our tea bags. Well, actually we don't have tea bags anymore. We have tea granules in our teapot. Um, And we keep all of those. They go into the compost that the council come and collect. And actually that makes a massive difference because that produces methane, which you'll know is 80 times more warming than carbon dioxide. And that just goes into bins. So that is a place where we've made a massive change and it's actually had very little impact to our life and actually saved us money and it's had no trouble at all. Um, another one was the bathroom. Like I didn't know until I started doing crazy research and there's like a billion facts in the book. Um, 40% of all the rubbish in landfill 
is from bathroom waste that could be recycled. So nearly half is stuff from bathrooms and or nearly all of that could be recycled. And I think we're probably quite good in our kitchens going, well, that could be recycled, pop that in recycling, pop that on the side for recycling. But everyone has this tiny little bathroom bin, they put stuff in and it just goes into the rubbish. So we now have two bins, one that's rubbish and one that's recycling. We recycle everything that can be, but actually we have a plastic-free bathroom now. So I have a bamboo toothbrush, I have toothpaste tablets, I have shampoo bars, conditioner bars, body bars, um, and the couple of products that I have that aren't things like that, they're in metal tins, like a body scrub and a face scrub, and I don't have cotton pads and wipes. I haven't had those for years and years and years. So like that was a really easy change to do. But the big thing and the really obvious thing is don't just go and buy loads of new things. Like use what you have. Use everything you have first of all and then go. And then the next time you need something, make sure it's a plastic-free product. Brilliant. Really good advice. And it does make me feel a bit guilty because I am partial to the old baby wipe. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. <laughs> Flannel, you know, it's softer. It gets all the grimy dirt off a lot easier. And also, I have reusable sanitary pads as well. Lots of my friends have, like, sanitary knickers. So, um, you know, the amount of plastic in those is absolutely crazy and they just go straight into landfill. So, yeah, and it takes, you know, it probably takes a good six months for you to recoup the cost of those because they're expensive initially. But then after that, you're saving money. So is there anything that you thought was green, but turns out it wasn't at all? Recycling. Like recycling shouldn't be a minefield, but it kind of is. You know, we would put yogurt pots out or loads of things out without cleaning it and just sticking it in and then... You just kind of go, well, it can be recycled. I'll pop it in and hope for the best. And there's actually a phrase called wish cycling, where you're literally putting it in the recycling and going, I cross my fingers and hope it gets recycled, but there's a tiny part of me that think it won't be. <laughs> so, you know, I now keep, I make sure I read a little bit extra on the bottom what can and can't be recycled. So, you know, little things like if you have a tub with your chicken, take off the plastic on top, that can't be recycled, but the base can be, but it needs to be clean. Not like spotlessly clean, but you know kind of clean so keeping it to the end of your washing and then washing it don't just fill up the washing bowl and then wash it because that's a waste of water um same with our your yogurt pots or your milk as well so yeah just being really conscious about recycling and the one that has blown loads of people's mind is um pizza boxes so you just think okay it's cardboard i'll pop it in but if it has all of the grease and grime on the bottom when it goes into recycling, that can contaminate the whole load because lots of places recycle with cold water, cardboard. So that help that makes the whole thing congeal. So um, yeah, rip the top off, recycle that, and then unfortunately you have to throw the bottom away. Now I know that you quite often travel a lot with your job. You're yeah. presenting um, weather on television at all kinds of very early hours, and you travel across the country. How do you defend the travelling aspect involved with your job? So yeah, that's it's a really hard juxtaposition to be in you know we broadcast across the whole country and it's nice to broadcast across the country but definitely since the pandemic we travel much less because of wanting to be at the time in fewer cars and fewer trains and fewer hotels so now if there's an event somewhere that you have to go to like Aintree happens to be in Liverpool we have to go there for that then we will travel for that I pretty much always get the train and overnights I wouldn't get a car to these places far away when I went to COP I travelled on the train as well so if we have to go somewhere far away we just plan our journeys and make sure that we travel by train and local journeys I would get um, a car but our cars are all hybrid or electric so that's really good and um you know I went to Svalbard last year which was amazing to look at the impacts of climate change there and how we know that the Arctic is warming two to three times faster than the rest of the world. 
they gave us exclusive figures. They're warming nearly six times faster. And I've spoken to some of the Met Office team who'd written the IPCC report from the cryosphere. And, um, you know, I thought, I know about glaciers. I know they're retreating. I know they're at the lowest extent for 2,000 years. Blah, blah, blah. I get it. But when I got there, I was like, I didn't get it. I didn't get the reality until I'd seen it not just seeing the science and seeing the landscape changes, seeing the impact on the people and the changes in their livelihood, the impact on the animals. So, you know, if I hadn't flown there, if we hadn't reported on it in our audience for Good Morning Britain, and actually, you know, how many people who watch our show would have watched an Arctic documentary? I don't, I don't know, but there must have been many million who wouldn't. So we reached lots of people who then came back afterwards and said, I didn't realise the impact it had, I didn't know how important the ice was to the jet stream, how important it is to our weather, how important it is to the whole world. So yeah, we we talked about it and we said, you know, there'll be this much of a negative footprint on our flight. We just took three of us as crew all together, but it was massively outweighed by what we were doing. And that's what we have to make sure that we do. And, you know, I'm never going to say, to tackle climate change, no one could ever fly around the world, but fly less, fly, fly economy. You know, our world is as amazing and diverse as it is because people travel and can see things. But, you know, we also have to think about how we overconsume our planet and just doing everything a little bit less. Everyone in the country, you know, like 67, however many million people, it, it makes a massive difference. I'm assuming the book's printed on recycled paper. There is a story in the back of the book uh, about the journey of it. So it's printed on trees that are replanted. The paper is sustainable. It's been on a journey. And it's got all lots of certifications um, to look at the transparency and the eco policies um to make sure that yeah it's as green as possible laura thank you so much for joining me today and telling us more and um i think you've managed to overcome my green fatigue i'm definitely going to look into ways i can help save the planet so thank you so much